hello and welcome to this week's of photographic life. In the past week, I heard of the passing of a friend and a photographer, Terry O'Neill. And whenever I think of Terry, for some reason, I suppose because we had so many conversations about him, uh, Frank Sinatra comes to mind. And so I decided as a kind of a homage, I suppose, to Terry, to have Frank Sinatra as this week's sponsor. What formula? I never had one, so I couldn't say what the main ingredient is. I think everybody who's successful in this business has one common ingredient, the talent God gave us. The rest depends upon how it's used. Frank Sinatra said that. Terry O'Neill was a photographer, a celebrity photographer, came from a news background. Somebody who was a, a commissioned photographer appearing in magazines over, over decades. Terry always used to be referred to as kind of friend to the stars. And I think it's kind of interesting with his passing that I've seen so many um, kind comments, I suppose, and... Um, real recognition of the quality of the work. I think what is a shame and what did occur to me at the time, and it's something that I thought about quite a lot, is how many of these working commissioned photographers get recognised after they've died. They don't really get that recognition during their lifetime. And I've got a feeling that's because they're not great talkers. They're not great writers. They're not writing about the philosophy behind their work, the concept behind their work. They're not playing that game. They're kind of playing a different game. They're playing a game of absolute pure photography. They're providing a visual problem solving for clients. And as I say, from Terry's perspective, primarily from an editorial um, background. I sent out a tweet um, when I heard about Terry's passing that Terry gave me some great advice when I got divorced and was really supportive. He showed me how to load a blad behind my back. That's the, the back of the blad, of course, without me looking, because he reckoned that if you could do that, then you were okay as a photographer. As well as that, I think what he really taught me was the importance of calmness, the importance of being in control, of not being flustered, and also of not faking it, because the reality, I think, of Terry's pictures is that they were based on friendship, friendship with the celebrities that he photographed. Terry was a uh, a jazz drummer in the very early days, and he and I often spoke about that importance of rhythm, that idea of actually keeping the beat during the shoot, keeping it turning over, keeping it moving, to a point at which he shot very few frames. The way in which he kept the beat going was through conversation. And that's something that Terry was great at. So I'd just like to say at this point, thanks, Terry. Thanks for the advice. Thanks for the pictures. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not aware of Terry O'Neill, you really need to move now to Google 
put in his name and just admire his career. In the past week, I took my three daughters to um, a photographic exhibition. We had a day out in London and we started at the Victoria and Albert Museum at the uh, Pre-Prictet. Um, I hope that's how you say it correctly. I've, I've never been sure. Um, exhibition at the V&A of the shortlisted finalists, I suppose. My daughters range in age from 26, and she's a criminal barrister, 21, having just left university and about to also go into a career in the law. That's my middle daughter and my young daughter, who is seven. All three of them have grown up going to the theatre, museums, gallery shows, photographic exhibitions. So the environment is not strange to them. However, none of them are photographers. As such, none of them really have any interest in photography. Um, I suppose that's a reaction against their dad and all the stuff they've been surrounded with. They don't even read the books I write that are all dedicated to them. But hey, that's just something I have to deal with. Anyway, what was interesting about taking them to that particular show was their response. And I deliberately stepped back. I I didn't want to say to them, I didn't want to lead the witness. Always a good idea when your daughter's a criminal barrister. But anyway, I didn't want to kind of put my feelings about the work I was looking at onto them. I was really interested in their kind of pure, innocent approach to the work. Their feelings from a seven-year-old to a 26-year-old were the same. And interestingly enough, when we we went for lunch afterwards and I asked them what they thought and I gave them my thoughts, we were all in alignment with it. And this this was the um, outcome. We all felt that the work, which I have to say, I've seen lots of comments about of people saying how brilliant it was that the winner won and that, you know, what great this works. I've seen lots of positivity around this exhibition. And in a way, I feel kind of bad even saying what I'm going to say because I'm not bringing negativity to it. But I do want to reflect on it. And, And my reflection is this, and it was the same as my daughter's. The work that was being shown seemed to be more about the actual process and practice of how it was being represented than the photography itself. Whether or not that was the highly distorted images with the um, sprockets of the film being retained and blown up as huge images by Gideon Mendel, I have to say all three of my daughters um, felt very negatively towards that work. Then there was the work that um, was being created and sewn into and uh, kind of embroidered onto. And they all felt that that was very nice, but they didn't get it. There was some other work there. In fact, I think about three different photographers' work that all seemed highly um, post-produced, almost to the point of the the dreaded HDR high dynamic range that we saw so much of a good few years ago. Um, Hyper colours, hyper contrast, to the point at which my middle daughter said, well, Dad, I don't get this. They just look like bad Instagram pictures. She has a big Instagram following, um, so she's quite good on Instagram. But as I say, she's not a photographer. Um, 
And then there was other work which was displayed in a very similar way that I spoke about with the Beckers um, a few weeks ago. A a reminder, if you didn't listen to that podcast, uh, my seven-year-old Florence, um, she liked August Sander at that. So, you know, we're not talking about people here that don't go to see work that they do get. So that was that work. The only work which they felt really moved them and really touched them was the work by Ivor Prickett and his series in the Battle of Mosul. That, I suppose, in a sense, was the most traditional photographic representation. They were still extremely large prints, but all three of my daughters were really interested and really took time reading the text that surrounded them and also asked me questions about that. I, I agree with them. For me, that was it was pure photography and it worked. There was lots of great work amongst the other work, as in great work in that the composition seemed to be strong, the narrative seemed to be interesting. But to me and to my daughters, everything seemed to be about the process. It seemed to be about the presentation. And we all felt that actually what had been forgotten was photography. This week, I'm really excited to welcome to what does photography mean to me, Dutch-born Erwin Olaf, who emerged onto the international art scene with his series Chessmen that won him the Young European Photographer of the Year Award back in 1988. This was followed by an exhibition at the Museum Ludwig in Cologne with subsequent solo and group shows at major museums and galleries worldwide ever since. Olaf started his career as a photojournalist documenting the nightlife of the 1980s, but in recent years he's developed his themes through the form of monumental uh, tableau for which he adopts the role of a director as well as a photographer. His approach to his work has earned a number of commissions from institutions, including the Stechlik Museum Amsterdam and the Reich Museum Amsterdam. He's been awarded Photographer of the Year in the International Colour Awards in 2006 and was the Netherlands' prestigious Jonas Vermeer Award in 2011. Additional international awards include a Silver Lion at the Cannes Advertising Festival and a Lucy Award for Achievement in Advertising, both in 2008. Olaf has screened video work at the Centre Pompidou in Paris, uh, the Museum at FIT, New York, and Nuit Blanche in Toronto, with a live score commissioned for his series Waiting. He has also projected his 30-channel video installation, La Evil, onto the Hotel de Ville for Nuit Blanche in Paris. In 2018, the Reich Museum acquired 500 key artworks from Olaf's 40-year oeuvre for their collection. Olaf still lives and works in Amsterdam, To me, photography means really very, very much. Already since the first year and the first time I hold the camera in my hand, I feel very much um, part of photography. I can manage life because of photography. In 1978, when the teacher of photography on the School of Journalism, where I was studying to become a writing journalist, saw me being very unhappy wandering through the school, uh, called me to him and said, here is a camera. And I think it's better for you 
uh, to start to learn photography, then to start to learn writing. And from the first second on, when I hold the Nikon FM2 in my hand, I felt like coming home. The cold feeling of the metal and especially the fact that I could frame reality and crop it so I could handle the reality and the real world better than looking beside the camera. Uh, it became a love relationship between me and the medium of photography. Also, when I started to learn to print and being in the dark room and getting results that grew better and better because I practiced a lot and I could see how beautifully the skin tones uh, translated into black and white. My love was growing more and more. But there was one thing I really didn't like uh, about reality and that was the reality itself. So when I saw the works of uh, people like Robert Mapplethorpe and Joe Peter Witkin, but also Helmut um, Newton and Guy Boudin and George Pettlines, Richard Everton, Horsby Horse, they were all examples to me that uh, a translation of reality into your own imagination was far more appealing towards me. So that made me decide to start my own studio. And um, since 1983, I feel incredibly comfortable uh, with the fact that I can create my own worlds uh, with my own language uh, and my camera in my studios. Uh, so uh, uh, up till today, you know, I feel like... Um, uh, a very blessed person uh, that uh, is so happy that already early in my life photography crossed my path and I hope I will continue photographing till I drop dead. Thank you for your contribution this week, Owen. And I hope that's not too soon. In fact, I hope you've got a lot longer left shooting and living. It's interesting picking up on a few things there that um, Owen Olaf uh, commented on. One of the things that really, um, I suppose, struck me was he hearing names, uh, photographers' names, which I don't hear very often anymore, but certainly at one time really were dominant forces when people spoke of photography. Witkin, Avedon, Maplethorpe, Horst P. Horst, these were the photographers that I was looking at um, back in, the, I suppose, the 1980s and 90s as the photographers who really were the, the photographers doing the interesting work, inspirational, just as they were inspirational to Irwin there as he was speaking. Um, but we don't seem to hear of those photographers anymore. And I suppose what that shows is that kind of fickle nature of style and fashion, but also that we only really, I suppose, recognise those names if they're put in front of us. So the kinds of exhibitions that are put on, the books that are published, really do influence the kind of work that people are kind of aware of in their consciousness. Uh, if you're not aware of Wittkin, Avedon, Maplethorpe and Horst, P. Horst, try and check them out. They're not actually that easy 
now to find and Witkin's books are incredibly expensive obviously no difficulty finding Avedon and Maplethorpe seems to have gone right off the uh, register Um, and the same with Horsk P. Horst so um, maybe check those out what also um, struck me um, in what he was saying there was that idea of somebody turning up out of the blue and giving somebody a camera and the in the process of that passing on of the camera uh, i suppose a revelation occurs it's kind of um, choirs of angels or um, a great bright light appears and i've been talking to a couple of photographers recently who've told me the same story uh, photographer tom oldham who featured on a previous podcast and um, was explaining to me how uh a girlfriend gave him a camera um, when uh, I think he was around 20, 21 years of age. And uh, this girlfriend wanted to go out with a photographer. Tom wanted to go out with the girlfriend and therefore a photographer he became. But the the passing on of that camera was an absolutely uh, key part in his life. The photographer Jim Mortram, who also features in a previous podcast, was saying the other day, how he was left a camera by a friend who was visiting for a cup of tea and uh, that photographer or that person I should say left this camera there and Jim slowly but surely started to work with it and once again without that act of kindness of the passing on of the camera uh, his his life um, would not be the same so it's interesting isn't it these kind gestures can be so influential in somebody's life and i started off talking about terry o'neill the photographer and his kind gestures that really did i suppose really encourage me to pick up a camera after many years art directing and to uh, explore the idea of photography he was my inspiration along with others of course So just to finish off this week, let's return to Frank Sinatra. I know, not a usual kind of person to have on a photo podcast, but as I regularly say, this isn't, I hope, an ordinary photography podcast. So let's turn to Frank. The big lesson in life, baby, is never be scared of anyone or anything. Take care. (laughs) 